You're listening to episode 56. Welcome to Behind the Brand, a podcast dedicated to strategically building your online business. Here we go behind the scenes and share stories and strategies that can help you build your own dream business that supports your own dream life. I'm your host, Kelsey Kurzlake, and I'm the CEO of Pinegate Road, a branding and web design agency for online businesses and influencers. We create online presences that aren't just pretty, they're powerful. To learn more about working with Pinegate Road, head to pinegateroad.com and schedule a free consult call. Now on to the show. Hello, hello. I hope you're having an amazing day. Welcome to Behind the Brand. I'm so excited to have you here today, as always. So today we have a friend guest coming on the show. We have met, where did we meet? We met at this thing called Designer Vacay um, about two years ago, and we just hung out the whole time, had the best time, lots of awesome conversations, and we've been following along with each other since. We actually went to New Orleans last October for another entrepreneurial retreat, and by happenstance, we're there together. And she was talking about how she's like, I would love to be on a podcast this next year. And I was like, well, mine is not live, but I will have you on when you're ready. And at the same time, Steph was working through a lot of this financial journey as an entrepreneur. And she's been sharing it publicly in a really cool way, doing like charts and graphs and showing her income and what she's using to pay off debt and this and that and like still living this amazing life while being really careful about her finances at the same time. So I just wanted to have her on to share her experience about growing her business, taking care of her finances and going after some big goals because I think her systems are really cool. It's a very inspiring story. She is in the middle of this. But at the same time, she's made such great strides in the past year, and I knew she would just be an amazing person to have on the show to share this entire experience with. So without further ado, here is Steph. Today's episode is sponsored by Evolution Live, a three-day event for creative business owners hosted by success strategist Aaron Morgan. I have Aaron here today to chat through how this event can help transform your business. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Hey, Kelsey, I'm great. I'm so excited to have you here to share about this amazing live event happening. When is it happening? It's happening October 18th through the 21st Yay! of 2018. Yeah. So this is Evolution Live. It is a three-day event. And who is this for? It is for committed, passionate female entrepreneurs, creative service providers who really want to transform their business. Awesome. So tell me some of the things that are going to be happening at Evolution Live. Amazing speakers, including myself, who are committed to sharing really high value trainings with you that you can personalize to your business. And then the next thing is an action plan, right? So not only are you going to learn a lot of information, but you're actually going to have a way to implement it in your business as soon as you get home. Awesome. And I'm so excited, first of all, to be there, but secondly, Mm -hmm. to connect with so many people in person, because I know for me, that is a huge business builder as far as making new connections, meeting new people. And it just, that energy just happens to grow my business along the way. So I am pumped to be in the room with so many like-minded women and just have that in-person energy and Yeah. yeah. Me too. I really wanted to gather women because this online world can be really lonely, right? We don't have those in-person connections. So I really wanted to gather all the amazing women I know and many more who I haven't met yet to a room where we can learn and be together and be supported. How a bunch of fun. 
I know. I'm so excited. Okay. So if people want to come to this event, where can they go? They can go to my website. It's Erin Morgan, E-R-Y-N Morgan.com forward slash evolution. And then a little dash and then the word live. So erinmorgan.com forward slash evolution dash live. And I'm sure that we'll be able to put that link somewhere that's easy to follow, but that's the link to get your ticket. Absolutely. I will have that on my site as well. So if you go to the podcast tab, we'll have it there. So thank you so much for sharing about this. And I will see you in October. And I hope you all are there. I want to give you real life hugs. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I can't wait to see everybody live. Yay. Hello, stuff. Hello, Kelsey. How are I'm you? I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so great. We're like talking. We're like I'm so excited talking over ah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, how are you doing? I'm good. It is sunny outside, and I don't want to be at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pumped to have you on the show. I've known you for I don't know a while now, and when we were in New Orleans, Steph was like we should do a podcast together. And I was like, yes, when I get my life together in startup season three, this will happen. So I'm pumped that like within this time frame, like you started this new life goal experiment things with all of your finances. And I am so pumped to dive into it because I've only been seeing it from like what you've been sharing online. And I just, I think that finances are you know, such an up and down thing for so many people. And the way you've been able to kind of like take control of that, especially as your business and your life has transitioned is really cool. So I'm excited to dive into it. Yay. Thanks. Yeah, it is super serendipitous that I like, I'm like, secretly, I started this. So you would talk to me. No, No, because we were going to talk about something completely different. I think like, you know, like eight months ago, and now this is all happening. Totally. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat about it because I've been more and more realizing how important it is to talk about money with people and for people to hear that conversation from others so that they're encouraged to talk about it with their friends and family and just be more open. Um, And it's been really cool sharing about it because I honestly had no idea how people would react. And I was a little bit scared of people reacting negatively. And the outpouring of like support and interest and like cheering me on has been so much more than I could have anticipated. So that's been really cool. I love hearing that because it is a scary thing. Like it's like, Oh wow. People are seeing inside of like this whole secret part of my life that no one ever really talks about. And like, what are they going to think? And yes, brave of you to do that. So (laughs) thank you. you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I would love to start off, um, first of all, just like a little introduction about yourself, um, what you do, who it's for, and a little bit about your history, because I know your business has transitioned a little over the year, too. Yeah. So I designed custom wedding stationery for local couples to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I am open to working with other people, but it ends up being with planners who are in my area. So that's ends up being my demographic. Um, and then I just launched a new product um, that's like a custom tarot deck. So I'm also kind of transitioning my business in that way currently of like selling product as well as custom stationery. Um, and yeah, so I started out in the wedding industry working full time at a stationery studio in the Bay Area. 
And then I quit my business or I quit that job and transitioned to working for myself. And I had been freelancing along the way. Um, but I started floral freelancing because I needed money and I had just quit my full-time job and I couldn't support myself full-time with design. And so I started working with a local florist, started working with a bunch of local florists, like through meeting people. Um, and throughout that process met who became my business partner to launch Bowerbird. Um, so she was another freelancer who had been freelancing a lot longer than me in flowers, but had been doing flowers about the same time I had been doing design. So I felt like we were at a similar level in our skill set. So we were like, hey, freelancing is not the most fun because you're working for someone else. You're not in charge of your own creative vision. And I was itching to get back to stationery because I felt like I was leaning a little bit too much on flowers, which was not my kind of like main thing. My main thing has always been design. So we teamed up. It worked really well. And we launched Bowerbird as like a combo floral stationery business because I mm -hmm. felt like that was a really powerful niche that didn't really exist. So we did that for a couple of years and built it up. Um, and it was super fun. And then in the fall, so about like nine months ago now, she decided that she wanted to go off on her own and just do flowers and not be in a partnership. And so we split up the business, but she let me keep the Bowerbird name. And so I just transitioned it to just doing stationery. So nice. now it's a hundred percent me. <laughs> yeah. So lots of transitions yeah. there. Um, and you're also recently married. Yes. Yeah. So then I got married in May of this last year. So like two months ago. So yeah, I, I've gone through and I was, it's funny, I was looking back at all my stuff to prepare for our call about mm -hmm. like, what, ha what has my journey been? And just realizing <laughs> how much has changed in the last like six to nine months. It, mm -hmm. it is really crazy because like you don't feel that in the moment. You're like, you go through one change at a time. But looking back through the whole thing, I'm like, yeah, my whole life is a lot different in my business. And um, yeah. I mean, my relationship's not that different, but getting married is like a big to do. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you take so much time and energy away from what you're doing in your business, like day to day, yeah. it, somewhat. Yeah. And yeah. Even though like you're maybe at home, life has not like drastically <laughs> changed. It's totally. That, yeah. We, that season, we've been living that together already. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to, I had like crazy like one year where I got engaged, I also had like my endometriosis, like my, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't even know if you know about that, but like I had that crazy like health journey and had to go on yeah. like medical work leave. I quit yeah. my job, started my own business and got married. <laughs> and like all and you're like, within what like am I doing? nine months. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? Totally. So I feel you in that yeah. respect. Um, okay. So with all of this, you have gone through this financial journey and I'd love to start off by asking, um, like, when did you realize that you needed to figure out your finances? Like what was going on in your life that like prompted this new way of doing this? Yeah. So part of it pairs with my work journey, obviously, because work's how we make money. So in 2014, I mentioned I left my full-time job you know, I was making a set salary. I think I was making like $2,400 a month. Um, so 29K a year, not huge in the Bay Area, but it was, you know, consistent income. It didn't matter how many clients I brought in. It wasn't commission-based. I just had totally. to show up to work and I got that money, which was 
huge. And I had, you know, benefits and 401k and all that stuff. So deciding to leave was a huge step in realizing like, I need to get more in tune with my money because obviously, you know, I won't be able to depend on someone else cutting me a paycheck. Um, and part of that, like leaving was made possible by my mom. Luckily, I know not everyone's in this situation, but she was like, I will support you if you can't make rent or whatever, like come to me, you know, once you're freelancing full time, like if you need support and luckily I never had to cash in on that, but just the mental load of like knowing I had a fallback was a huge like catapult into leaving. So and one of the things it's like, so people are afraid of like leaving their full-time jobs. Yes. Um, but one of the things like I had to realize is that the support I do have around me, like I was not going to be living on the streets. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Like, or I had well, to, like, that, yeah. If I hadn't had my mom, you know, I could have crashed with a friend or, you know, like right. there are definitely options, but it is still scary to no, go it's totally scary. salary to like, not knowing where your next paycheck's coming from in a week or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So mentally that was a huge like weight off of my mind in order to leave. And then, like I mentioned, I started floral freelancing. So that was also kind of like the catapult was that I found a way to bring in revenue in a way that was uniquely different from what I had been doing before. Mm. Um, so I was able to kind of diversify how I was making money yeah. Um and I kind of went into this place of like I wasn't launching a business I was just becoming a freelancer and kind of like hustling and taking jobs wherever they came whether that was like making arrangements for weddings or designing stationery or designing like things that I would never show to people you know like annual reports or <laughs> like anytime someone asked me to design something I was like yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and I was looking back at my money from that the kind of from there to now. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to see how it's shifted because that first year I made, so I, I was, I worked six months of the year with my full-time job. So I left in July. So this, okay. this month actually marks four years of being full-time. Working Congratulations. Yeah. So in the second half of that year, I probably made like 3000 and in, in um, freelance like design income. And then about like 5,300 in working for florists. Okay. Um, so in six months I pulled in like, I think it was like $8,300, which is like 1300 a month. Um, so again, a huge, it was like a thousand dollars less than I had been making yeah. from my full-time job, but it was still 1300 a month where I had gone from like, I don't know if I can do this to like, I'm skating by. Yes. <laughs> so it kind of like helped me to catapult into like, okay, I don't have to go back to work. This is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So then the next year I launched Bowerbird with my um, business partner and we made like $2,000 <laughs> the first year, but I was still freelancing and I was kind of ramping that up because I was getting word of mouth referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of snowballed and I was still freelancing with design stuff and also floral studios. Um, so that, you know, kind of second year that I was working, um, I probably made, I think it was like 22,000 compared to like the 30,000 I'd been making full time. Mm -hmm. So again, not the same as full time, but like proving to myself that I could work for myself. Yeah. Like, yeah, you supported yourself through all of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to ask my mom for money, which is, (laughs) yeah. 
But I was paying myself job by job. Like I literally was scraping pennies out of my bank account every time I got paid for freelance, as long as like, I was really good at saving um, income tax, but I was really horrible at saving anything else. Um, and so I would like pre take out my, what, what I thought I would owe for income tax and then okay. pay myself the rest and then take out like if I had expenses for the job or whatever. Um, yeah. So I was really bad at saving for myself, but good at saving for the government, which is great. I've never had a tax problem, but I was racking up credit card bills because, you know, life is expensive and like, I'm, you know, in my twenties and I don't want to be like this frugal, like can't go out with friends or, you know, go yes. on small weekend trips. So I was not being the most like frugal person in terms of related to the amount of money I was making. So then in 2016, I kind of like was, you know, it was January I was looking at my finances and realizing I had credit card debt and I still had student loan debt. And I was just like, I am like over this. I need to not have debt because I felt like no matter how hard I worked in my job, I was never going to get anywhere if I was constantly paying for my past self, which was really frustrating. And at the same time, I discovered this blog called Dear Debt. Okay. So she has a blog, which was really empowering. I think she herself, her name's Melanie. I don't know her last name. She herself got out of like seventy dollars or $80,000 of debt mm -hmm. in a set amount of time. And so then she started this blog where people write letters to their debt, basically being like, Dear Debt, you suck, whatever, like whatever they yeah. want to say about it. Did you and write it's kind one? Of like I did eventually, yeah. But I just started reading and reading people's stories and people throwing out their actual numbers of like how much debt they had or how much debt they had paid off. And it was really inspiring to see people paying off like $150,000, $200,000 worth of debt in like six months or a year or wow. two years. You know, really intense numbers just because they had this mindset of like getting rid of this debt and they were yep. focusing all their energy on it. And it was really cool to see. So that kind of catapulted my like financial journey after this buildup of like working for myself, accumulating more debt, realizing I still had student loan debt, all of that. So my word for the year in 2016 was actually debt. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to, because I also, I had $15,000 of debt. Okay. So it was not like a hundred, like these people were yeah. talking about getting rid of like a hundred thousand in a year. And so I was like, I can get rid of 15 in a year. Like totally, that's totally possible. And so my goal that year was like to knock out my debt and totally kill it. And then start 2017, like in the black or whatever that didn't happen, but <laughs> it was really cool to focus on it and figure out what was possible mm -hmm. because I was spending my energy on it. Yes. Um, and again, my mom, <laughs> I'm so lucky. My mom also came to the rescue because I was talking to her about this goal and how 2016 was my year to pay off debt. And she was like, I had my student loans with like fed loan servicing or whatever. I don't even remember what the interest rate was, but there is an interest rate. So you're paying stuff, but you're constantly accumulating more debt the longer mm. it takes you to pay it off. And so she offered to pay the loan off completely and then give me an interest rate of 1% to pay her off, which was huge. Yes. So again, <laughs> Yay, you know, <laughs> another precursor that my mom <laughs> is 
help me out a lot. Yeah. So I'm basically paying her as if she's a loan servicer, yep. at, but only at 1% interest, which is amazing. Cause I can't even imagine how much interest I would have now if it had stayed with like, so a, you did that about like two years ago in 2016. Okay. Yeah. When I started like this debt is my word of the yes. year and I'm like going to murder this debt and all of that. Um, yeah, so that was huge to have that kind of transferred. Um, but then serendipitously, I also had a tattoo artist I had been following for a long time and she opened up her books, um, for 2016. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm young and impulsive and I'm gonna just see if I can get in her queue. You literally have one of the most glorious tattoos I've ever seen. So <laughs> just FYI. It was totally worth it. But yeah, it's just funny that this year where I'm like, I'm gonna kill my debt. And I'm like, and pay for an expensive tattoo <laughs> that I don't actually need. So yeah. So basically I hustled because I didn't want to go into debt for that tattoo because my goal was to get out of debt this year. So if I'm like paying for something superfluous, I shouldn't be going into more debt for it. Um, so I like literally sold my recycling. I like, you know, sold my clothes and books and like hustled. Like I just, I did, I, my now husband's, mom has a gardening business. So I would like work for her for a couple hours and make like 40 bucks cash. Like it was just like, I was doing stuff that was like so outside the realm of my business yeah. just because I was trying to collect as much money as possible to pay for this tattoo in cash. So, um, so that. that was like a huge thing that year too, um, that ended up costing me a ton. Um, but it was the first time I had paid for something pre saved and paid for something in cash. Um, cause growing up, I grew up really wealthy in suburbia where credit cards were like, they, my parents just gave me a credit card and were like, here, go to the mall. And so the idea, yeah, is <laughs> the idea of like pre-saving for something like seeing a pair of jeans and being like, I want those jeans and they cost a hundred dollars. So I'm going to save like $5 a week and then I can buy right. them. I just would buy the jeans and then my parents would pay the credit card off and like, so my mindset around pre-saving for something um, shifted a lot in 2016 when that's I was really, like, I'm paying for this tattoo. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like interesting to hear. Like I had a very different, like, I don't know, my parents did make me save for everything. And I was always like, they probably could have afforded to like, just be like, here's mm -hmm. a credit card and all of that. But at the same time, they were like, no, we're going to teach you lessons. And I like thought they were so strict and like, I don't know, but we had to, and um, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really, I wish that that had been my experience. And you know, my mom is great with money. She's an accountant. And so we did, we had like the allowance game and yeah. like, you know, we had to learn, like we had a chore chart where we did chores and then we would make an allowance based on exactly, that. But, like, yeah it wasn't as strict as like, okay, and this is all the money you have. So like, how are you going to use it? I wish that that had been more of the case. Yeah. But. I mean, I don't think my parents were like extreme about it, but it was like, if yeah. I didn't have the money for something, I was not buying it. And yeah, I had to go save up for things. So I'm just like, I'm listening to that. And I guess I'm older. Kelsey is thankful to my parents. Yeah. You know, go yeah. Your parents after. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. And my on the last podcast, I also was like thanking my mom. I think it's going to be a theme of season three. Thanks, moms mom. are awesome. Is yes. the theme. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like all my questions were kind of like we're just talking about them all. So I don't where did you leave off? <laughs> oh yeah. So 2016 was yes. like my debt year, but then okay. I also got the tattoo. So I didn't make as much as many strides as I wanted to. But I had I started the year with like over fifteen thousand dollars worth of debt. And that year, along with paying for literally, I think the tattoo costs like $5,500, like, mm-hmm. like legit expensive. Crazy. Um, and again, it's beautiful, worth the oh, money. Very much. It's the so most expensive beautiful. thing I've ever saved up for and paid for. Yeah. Um, so even after that, I paid off $6,500 worth of debt on top of saving, wow. saving like almost $6,000 for a tattoo. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And, you know, looking at that, it's like, if I hadn't gotten that tattoo, I would have paid off almost $10,000 worth of debt. But like, I'm still very proud of myself that I was able to knock out debt, able to prepay for the tattoo, and still able not to have to ask my mom for rent money. Like I was still freelancing, still owning my own business, not working for someone else. So 2016 totally. was like a good year. And it was the year that I started actually like tracking my income. Because before it was like, I had, I had been tracking it and spreadsheets and things, but it was like very unorganized, just kind of like, okay, let me make sure I know people have paid me. Um, but this was where I was actually tracking it, where I was like, how much am I making? How much am I saving for income tax? And you know, how much am I putting towards debt? Love so I, I got more into that. I was also just um, thinking yeah. 2016 is when I met you. Oh, so it was the best year ever. Well, because I remember your tattoo was like half done when I met you. Yeah. Like, I think it was just the outlines at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and you gave me my first tarot reading. Oh my gosh, did I really in 2016? At, yeah, in Palm Springs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the best. <laughs> your first tarot reading. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm like, making a tarot Yeah, you, And you were like, I've never done this for like other people, but yeah. I'll try. Yeah. I think, I think you may have been the first time I had like done a reading for someone yes. else too. Do you do them like <laughs> for people now? And, or is it just like no, a fun? No, it's, it's, I do it for myself for yes. sure. And if people ask, but it's not at, currently not a part of my business. Who okay. knows in the future? We'll see. I mean, but, you're making a tarot deck. Yes. <laughs> I know. It feels like I should, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm focusing on making the deck and selling it first and then we'll see if readings come into play. Okay. But yeah, that is, it is something that I've been, I've loved for years. I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> you're the first trendy. person that like introduced me to that all. So anyway, oh, I was like, yeah. you're talking about 2016. I was like, is that you're when like, I met her? <laughs> yeah. No, so, totally. It was. Yeah. So I went to designer vacay that year too. So I was like, so how did that play? Up- like you, cause from my like outsider like perspective, you were like going on all these like trips and not like a ton, mm-hmm. but just like you were able to have like a really like fun life at the same time. Like you were enjoying things. Yeah. And I think that that that's a really interesting part of like my financial journey is that I have never come, I've never been able to come at it from a place of deprivation. Yeah. Like, I think that reading the Dear Debt blog and all these people's um, like really hard work and getting rid of their debt, a lot of their stories, they talk about, yeah, I ate ramen for six months and I didn't leave my house. I didn't go out to eat. I didn't go on vacation and I paid off all this debt. And I'm like, you know, that's amazing. But again, being in my 20s, like that just sounds like a bummer. And 
really depressing and Mm -hmm. running a creative business. You can't, you really can't work from a depressed state or a deprived state. You need a certain amount of stimulation and support from friends and, you know, stimulation in traveling or eating a really good meal somewhere out or, you know, buying a dress that you just like feel super confident in when you wear it. So I would do things that were um, frugal. Like I, I wouldn't shop at like JCPenney. I would go to like a thrift store, (laughs) you know, but at the same time, I definitely didn't deprive myself from Mm -hmm. like doing things that I wanted to do. And maybe it's me being a millennial and being like the apocalypse is coming anyways. So who cares? (laughs) I, I just felt like if I spent two years with my head down, just focusing on saving every penny to pay towards debt, that I would come out of it not having any friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I wanted to cultivate friendships and, and be down to go out and not be like, oh, there's Stephanie in the corner eating like her bag of carrots. Right. She doesn't want to buy an appetizer. <laughs> so totally. yeah. So I could have been debt free by this point if I had had a more frugal But you're actually, it's, I love seeing that you're enjoying your life at the same time, like reaching these big financial goals. It's really cool to see. Yeah. And I think now, and we'll talk more about where I'm at now, but like, you know, I've kind of shifted my mindset into that where it's like, you know, money going into all these buckets and making sure that there's a bucket for everything instead of just everything going towards debt. And then once that's done, you know, you can deal with other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more like, okay, debt will be paid slower, but you just, you can divide it in a way where you can still travel. You can still go out to eat. You can still go see a movie. Um, and I think that that's such a better way to approach it. As long as you are holding yourself accountable to the amount you want to put towards debt. I've the always, problem is, yeah. Oh, no, like I, the few times, whatever, my money is all over. <laughs> um, or like it's good and fine and whatever. But, um, like whenever I've been like, here's this financial goal and I'm going on this like strict budget. Like, I feel like the same thing happens if I like diet, like I'll Mm -hmm. do that, like that deprivation, that like scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And then it like ticks to the other side, like same thing with food, same thing with like spending. And then I'll be like, I don't care. I'm like buying all of this stuff. And I don't know. It is like a pendulum and you have to find, you have to find the middle. It just feels like you're doing a really good like version of like living in the middle. Which, oh, good. Yeah. That's my goal. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the goal is not to have debt, but unfortunately, I, I don't know the statistic. There's some crazy t- statistic about how much debt people carry in America. And it's so much more than you would think. The average debt is so much higher than it should be. Um, which again, that goes into like the problem with consumerism society but debt is a thing that's real in people's lives and so we can't live in the way where it's like well once I'm out of debt then x because you may never be out of debt and that's scary to think about but at the same time so if you're never out of debt you're just never going to enjoy your life like that I think is scarier to me yep and so not that I want to be in debt forever and I'm making strides to get out of it but the realization is if I am in debt forever, at least I can figure out a way to balance it so that I'm servicing the debt and ideally not just paying the minimum, like paying more, but still able to have 
a good time. <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, I'm just, I think you're doing a great job at that and it's cool to see it. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of that pendulum swing, 2016, I like hardcore focus on debt and I hustled and I paid for this tattoo and it was awesome. And then I was exhausted at mm -hmm. the end. And I was still trying to grow this business that was new. It was like a baby business that like needed a lot of tending and totally. promotion and all this stuff. And so going into the next year, which was last year, I kind of like didn't think about debt as much. And I started focusing on income because I got to this point where I was like, it doesn't matter how much I try to save and put towards my debt. If I'm not bringing in more money, there's never going to be more money. Yeah. Um, in that sense of like, when you work for yourself, you have unlimited earning potential. Whereas if you have a set salary or like a set amount you always make, you can only do so much dividing that into like little boxes. But if you focus on earning more, you can grow that amount to an unlimited degree. Totally. I've always because been very for thankful for the fact that I work for myself. Like um, we had this like crazy tax thing happen to us this year because we live in mm. like a new build, but they were only taxing us for our land or just something, it, whatever. I'm not going to go into like all the details, but all of a sudden like our mortgage increased by like a big amount. We we're like, what if like I was working like a regular job and I had one salary, like I wouldn't know where to find that money. And I'm yeah, just you thankful. Have to move. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. And so I was thankful. Like we did get it figured out, and it wasn't as much. But I also was in the mindset. I was like, okay, well, what can I go sell? Like, what totally. can I do in my business? Yeah. to like make this up. That was just like my immediate thing, and I was so thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that was my mindset shift in 2017. Was like, okay, I dealt with the debt. I paid a bunch off last year. And again, this is where we're talking about the pendulum where I went like super much on the debt and then I went super much on the income. And this year I feel like I'm finding that middle ground. Mm -hmm. But so 2017, I literally saved like a hundred dollars. That's okay. Like period, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but I did pay off like $3,600 of debt. And so oh, wow. I, okay. still, I still was making regular payments. Mm -hmm. And anytime like I had a tax refund or like, you know, a windfall of some sort, I would put it towards my loan. And so, you know, I was still focusing on the debt, but I was focusing a lot more on income. And, and then um, maybe this of, might be like a personal question, but were you accruing any more debt or was it staying the same amount throughout this? You know, I, I think it was up and down because, you know, with variable income, like some months, especially being in the wedding industry, I have work from... April through November uh -huh. and then I have no work from basically November through the following March or April. Okay. Um, and so you have about almost six months of like, you're just promoting yourself and talking to people, but you're not actually working with clients. And yeah. obviously again, you know, hustle mode would always take people if they came and were like, do you want to do this poster design or like, you know, annual report? Again. Totally. But, um, but wedding stuff was where I was trying to focus my energy. Cause that's what I wanted to build for the business was like working with wedding clients and trying to be more niche as opposed to just doing everything. So yeah, I, I didn't look at my debt accumulation for that year, but I probably accumulated some in the off season okay. or months where I had less because, you know, I have a credit card where it's like, I need to buy groceries, you know, I can't right. pay it off month, but I'll pay it off next month or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, I was probably accumulating a little bit, but not, not an unmanageable amount in terms of like buying a car or something like that. Right. Like I was still in the mindset of like, I need to get this debt down before I can like do more, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> go into debt again. So yeah. And then that year I made like an income goal for myself, which was ridiculously high and I didn't hit it, but it was still fun to kind of have that like number. And I changed yeah. all my passwords to be my income goal. So it's like that mindset thing of like, I'm typing my goal every time I log into my bank. I love or log it. Into my computer. So yeah, that year was definitely really about like, what is my income and how am I? Did that like, help you get more income? I like think setting your helped, goal higher or like it helped me to focus on what I really wanted to be doing because my business was still new, but mm-hmm. like, I think in 2016, I probably made, I made like most of my money freelancing. It was about half and half. So it was like 50% was Bowerbird was like wedding stationery. 50% was like floral freelancing, design freelancing, um, basically anything not having to do with weddings. So I was mm-hmm. still doing a lot of stuff on the side. And then in 2017, I made more money with Bowerbird than I did freelancing. Okay. So it was kind of this shift of like, how can I move everything into Bowerbird, have all my income come from wedding related things, like promote myself more in that way and have to rely less on the other stuff. So, you know, and, you know, having a business, it's like, it's such a slog because it's like, it's the long game, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I like remind myself that because I'm always like, I'm going to do this crazy thing this year. And it's, yeah, like I think of where I was, I started this business seven years ago as like by accident, it was a lifestyle (laughs) blog and I charged $300 for my first like website, like full website design. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like I think of that and like where I am now and it's very much different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think I've always had that, like I'm impatient, but at the same time I realized like this is for the long term. So I can't beat myself up at not meeting my goal from last year because it still put me in the mindset of focusing on how to meet it and what I wanted to do to meet it and how I wanted to be working Mm -hmm. and who I wanted to be working for. Um, Which again, not possible without working for myself. Because if I was working for someone else, all of that is like predetermined by the, the jobs they give you and that land on your desk. So totally. Yeah. So then this year, you know, I I came into this year having just transitioned my business. So that was a huge shift because we were 50, 50 partners. Mm -hmm. So I was basically making 50% off of any floral work that came in, which was a huge, like, you know, floral tends to be a higher um, invoice than stationary Mm -hmm. just because the product is more expensive. People order more of it. Mm -hmm. And so I had a big revenue stream from that. And I was supporting my partner in terms of like, I was um, working weddings and doing production and all of that stuff and promoting, helping with proposals and all of that stuff. But it still was kind of like a skill set that I couldn't do on my own that I was making money off of. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when she left the business, I really had to like switch over how I was making money, how I was structuring my time and my business in order to guarantee that I could keep doing this. 
Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like a huge shift for 2018. Um, and kind of at the same time, my mom, who I mentioned is an accountant, again, moms are awesome. <laughs> this is the theme of this episode. Um, she became Profit First certified, I think, in the fall. Cool. Um, and Profit First, do you have you read the book or do you know I about it? I know about the book. I've been told to read it. And I know, like, I've spoken to some accountants who, like, are certified or whatever. But Yeah, I have all. not read it. <laughs> Um, I don't think you have to read it. I hate I that know thing the principle. Like, read yeah. Book. Yeah. No, like I know the, the basics of it and like yeah. what it preaches. So. Yeah. So she became profit first certified because she has a bookkeeping business. And so that was like another level of helping people with their bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of became her first guinea pig client with her profit first knowledge, where she basically dove into my business because she is a bookkeeper, but I can't afford to pay her. <laughs> And I don't, she's so busy. I don't want to be like, do this for free, mom. Right. Um, so, so I'll call her and ask her if I have like QuickBooks questions, but I'm pretty good with numbers. And so I've kind of been doing my stuff on my own with her, like as support, if I have a yeah, question. I do my um, own bookkeeping, but I have like a, an accountant that I talk to quarterly just to like, yeah, make sure taxes and things are under totally like, you know, they're good. So, yeah. And she's a CPA. Thing. So she does my taxes too. So cool. I'm on that point. But, um, but yeah, so she became private first certified and needed to start putting, implementing it in her business. And so I became her first kind of like guinea pig client. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of, that was a cool thing to do because it, it was in January. So it was great for like the start of the year. It kind of, um, it went along with my transition of my business going into this season just as a stationer. So we kind of like reworked all of my finances in my business and how they were working based around profit first. Um, and that has been a huge shift in a really good way cool. um, about how I think about my work. Cause like I mentioned earlier, I had been paying myself job by job and I was still doing that up to last year, even though we were making more money, I had a business partner. We were still kind of being paid out as we got money Um, which is really hard when you have seasonal work and you don't have work six months of the year. So transitioning to profit first and taking a salary and doing percentages and making sure things are covered before Mm -hmm. you get your money is, it's been really great to kind of see these accounts. Cause if for anyone who doesn't know the profit first mindset is like you have a bunch of different accounts and you put money into each account for whatever it is. So like I have an account for operating expenses that I put money into and I don't pay myself from that account. It specifically stays in there to pay off my business credit card. If I like, you know, have to pay for like a service that I have or buy office supplies. And then I also have a separate account for client materials. So because I do stationery, I'm buying paper, I'm paying for printing services, I'm paying for a lot of things. So anything that's for that comes out of that specific account. And then I also have like a goals account for like, I want to do this in my business or I want to go on this retreat or whatever. And I put money into that. So it's like you're putting, instead of just having a big thing and you're like, okay, how much can I pay myself after I've paid off my stuff? You divide it beforehand. So you know you have the money when stuff comes in, which is great. So yeah, so that that's how I kind of kicked off this year was like transitioning to profit first and now I'm love totally it. 
like a preacher of it. Yay. <laughs> um, so like overall, like to kind of like wrap that all up, like what are some of like the biggest takeaways that you've had, like focusing on your finances and like, how has that affected your life and your business overall? Um, I mean, I think what you, I don't remember who said it, but what, like it's the concept of what you focus on grows. Um, and I feel like for so long working for someone else and just knowing I had money coming in, I wasn't focused on money because I knew it would be always there in this innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having to really dig into money and like, where is it coming from? And like, how am I making it? I feel like that has helped to grow my business because I'm more willing to, you know, quote higher on a job because I know I need more money as opposed to just being like, yeah, like you were saying $300 for a website or whatever, as opposed to I need 5k this month. So this website costs 5k. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, so it, it, it helps you with confidence in selling yourself because you know, totally. your numbers. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that I've learned is like knowing your numbers, you know, if you are scared of your finances or, you know, they make you anxious, look at your bank account and just know how much you have. Because I think so many times I've been scared of like, can I pay rent this month? And then I open my bank account and I'm either like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Or, oh, I need like a couple hundred more. Mm -hmm. But it's never like I overdrew. And I like, you know, it was always like, it was always scarier in my head than it actually was in reality. And I think that's totally. what's so interesting about money is that it's just numbers. Like it's so logical. The numbers go on a spreadsheet and they all add up or they don't. And you figure out where the numbers should be. But when we deal with money or think about it in life, it's so emotional. So it's this really like it, it deals with both sides of our brain in a way that I think is like, anxiety inducing for a lot of people because <laughs> at the end of the day it's just numbers but it's not <laughs> yeah also. you know it's like our own self-worth or it's like you know comparing ourselves to our peers or you know being able to travel and feeling like you can be inspired by the world versus like feeling like you have to be stuck at home like all of that stuff is really emotional mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah and then you know thinking about that um, is kind of why in March I started sharing, like you were mentioning, I've been sharing yeah. super intensely online about my money stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was kind of about this idea that like, why is money so taboo? Like, you know, it's almost, I feel like people pair it with like sex in a way where it's mm -hmm. like, you don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's really um, like a triple X topic. And I feel like if we talk about it more uh, in the sense of like, it's just numbers, mm -hmm. it becomes less taboo and it less emotionally charged. Well, and I love seeing the actual numbers. It's always really inspiring to me to like see what's actually happening so that you don't feel as, I guess, alone in your numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just it's really nice like I 
have really appreciate like seeing yours. Um, I know there's a couple like bigger like blogger people like Pat Flynn. He like has a very popular um, podcast and he'll share his. And I, I think Melissa Griffin used to share hers. She does that like Pinterest course and. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like it just is like really cool to see what's possible because they're sometimes mm-hmm. making like $300,000 a month and you're just like, what? But yeah. also like just knowing that like you can see how they're doing it and knowing that that mm-hmm. is a possibility in the world is really empowering too. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to think about it. Cause a lot of people would see like someone's making $300,000 and they're like, I'm never, this is, I'm quitting. Cause <laughs> what the heck? But I think that that's, that's the better way to look at it is like someone else is doing this so I can do it too. Or if they're making $300, 300,000 a month, I can totally make 10,000. Yes. You know, like, like that seems more doable. Whereas if you don't know anything, you're like 10,000 a month. That seems insane. Exactly. Like, holy cow. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think there needs to be more transparency with money. And I think we have this weird fear about it. And I don't know, I don't know what it stems from because when I share my numbers online, it's not like I'm sharing my credit card numbers or my bank accounts. Like yeah. no one, I have not said where I bank, you know, like yeah. what my account number is like no one could physically steal my money from me, but there's still this feeling of like, you don't want to share because someone might take it away, which is so strange because it's just numbers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think, you know, maybe if I was in less debt, I would think differently because part of me is like, yeah, steal my money and pay my debt. Like, you know, <laughs> I have more debt than cash, but, um, but yeah, I don't know where that feeling comes from of like, it's so scary to say your numbers out loud. And yeah. I also don't think you have to share it publicly. Like, I think this can also just be with a girlfriend over wine or with exactly. a, a group of business friends. I was going to say, like, I have hey, a couple masterminds um, that mm-hmm. I'm, it's either with like other designers or other business people. And I even run my Pine Gate Road Academy where it's like other designers and like we're all making these financial goals and like mm-hmm. talking about like what is coming in, how that's happening. Like we talk specific numbers and that's so nice to have, yeah. even though I'm not doing it publicly, just doing it with those trusted friends and colleagues, colleagues, (laughs) are we colleagues? I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Totally. Um, Yeah. Biz friends. Biz friends. Yes. It's so nice to be able to do that. And I feel like it, it raises everyone up when everyone knows what everyone's charging or at least has an idea because like I definitely have, I have friends where I'll charge for a certain service and they're charging way less. And I'm like, dude, you are as talented, if not more than me you need to charge more because Mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm like pricing my pricing or you're pricing me out because you're so much cheaper and your work's better. You know, like (laughs) we need to be at a similar level. Go make more money. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone will make more money. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. So, and, and same thing. I've found out that I'm charging way less than other people are. And I feel cheated because I'm like, dude, I've done, five of these types of jobs. And I could, you're saying I could have made thousands more dollars mm-hmm. if I had just charged more because it is possible because they're making yep. that. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's another part of like um, what I've learned is historical data and how powerful it is. Um, I'm, I love spreadsheets. 
And for me being able to go back and see what I've charged in the past, like see how long it took me to do it and be able to weigh like, okay, so I can raise my rate X amount or knowing, hey, I've been able to do this in the past with this amount of money. So if I just had this much more, I could do this much more. So having that historical data and being able to look back and make decisions going forward on that, as opposed to just like throwing darts at a board and being like, all right, I'll charge that much because that sounds fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like having the historical data is also really powerful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, okay. So is there anything else that you would like to, we're kind of, we're, my timing is going. I try to keep totally. these under 45 minutes. <laughs> um, so what, is there anything else that you want to share about the finances before we get into some um, of our last questions? I think, oh, so I just wanted to say like a couple, and this could also go into like things I want to shout out. So the uh-huh. the impetus for starting to share my stuff in March was I came, I kind of had a week that was really serendipitous where I came across three things at the same time that all had to do with money. Okay. It was a little bit like tarot where it's like you pull the same card three times and you're like, okay, this is telling me something. Yes. So I discovered, um, I started reading Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass at Making Money. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great book about mindset shifts and kind of how I started to uncover the yeah. whole, like, I, I never to had on, to save for things. I listened to it on audiobook last summer and it was amazing. It's great. Yeah. And she has a lot of like at the end of every chapter, lots of great like worksheet type things that you can do, like questions mm. to answer and journaling things, which is really great. So I read that. I started reading that. I discovered this podcast called Work Your Wealth. Um, her name is Mary Beth Storjahan and she's a financial planner, but she has this great podcast. The episodes are like 20 minutes, but they're so good with advice for, she talks, she talks about solopreneurs and also people who work for a business. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's great for both types of people. Okay. She talks about like what you should be saving for retirement. Like, you know, just all these things that again, are so taboo to talk about like what, how much of your income are you saving for retirement, but they're so important. So that was super easy to listen. I think I listened to one and then I listened to like five more because I was super into it. So I discovered that podcast. And then I also discovered, um, uh, Sarah Von Bargen. Yes. And yes. Blog is her Mm. business. And she has her, but I don't know about, about her. She has a course called more money, more happy which literally takes five minutes. It's free or not five minutes. It's maybe like an hour, but it's a free course about how to align how you're spending your money with your happiness and making Mm. sure that you don't have regrettable purchases and like that you're putting your money in places that you actually want to be putting it. Um, So I did those three things in one week and it kind of like spun me into this like financial journey. Um, So anyone out there who's interested in, figuring out their finances. Those are all great. And not that you have to do all three, but they're all great resources for kind of like starting down that path. Yeah. Thank and, you for sharing that. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say is just that what I learned from them is these are all people that have gotten to this place where they are doing really well. And so they're looking back and telling people about it. And I realized that it's so powerful to hear from people who are in it as opposed to people who have already done it, which is why I felt like if I started sharing while I was in it, it would be so much more powerful than if I got through it and then looked back and told people about it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been my, my motto is like, 
just share, especially when it's hard, because hopefully it'll inspire someone to like, be like me too, or like, yep. oh, my case isn't as bad or like, well, my case is bad, but it's possible to, you know, be better. Exactly. And so. it all starts by you being able to open up and then people like resonating with that information. So thank totally. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for um, having me. It's so fun to yeah, chat about this stuff. I know, I love it. I love just like I just want to like talk for forever because I love catching up with yeah. you in general. Um, <laughs> okay, so couple last things here. Is there anything that you want to share about, like something that you are really liking um, that you just want to spread the word about? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I was like my tarot deck. <laughs> yeah, well, for real, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I made a tarot deck and it's really rad and I like it a lot. And it, it combines the Victorian language of flowers with the traditional Rider weight tarot. Um, so if you're into like Victorian things or tarot, um, or just interested in intuitive things, it would be a rad thing. For I'm you. so excited. I, yeah. well, all the like, well, one, it's beautiful Two, Thank like you. the photography and the styling and just like everything you've done around it to market it has been like jaw dropping. Like, it's just so pretty. Like, um, I don't know. There's just so much like thought and beauty that is going into it. And like, I immediately saw it and was like, yep. And so I have it pre-ordered. I can't wait to get mine. I'm so excited Um, for you to have one. Yeah, no. So just anybody who is into that at all, like this is going to be a gorgeous one. So please check it out and get your hands on it. Thanks. Thanks, Kelsey. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So where is one place that people can find you on the internet? Um, So I mostly hang out on Instagram and the Bowerbird Instagram is at Bowerbird Atelier. It's a French word that means studio. It's A-T-E-L-I-E-R. Some people awesome. say Atelier. <laughs> um, so yeah, Bowerbird Atelier. But I actually, I share my finances, my finance stuff on my personal Instagram. Okay. Um, which is stuff.kenna. So please follow me there if you're into financial stuff. But Bowerbird is where I like mostly hang out in terms of like the business world. Awesome. I feel like I'm talking to you on both. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are on both because I'm sharing different things on both. Yeah. And actually, I probably need to share more about my work on my personal one, but I'm having a lot of fun with the money stuff. So mm-hmm. it's mostly money right awesome. now. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was so awesome to catch up and just hear all about your financial journey. Yeah. Thanks, Kelsey. Bye. Hey, guys. I'm here to chat about an online system that I can't get enough of. I'm sure you hear from a lot of online business owners who've been scaling their businesses and about how having systems in place that work for them have been essential for their growth. Putting systems in place might be getting solid processes down, or it can be using a program like Seva to run your email marketing. When it comes to growing my business, the more intuitive something is, the better. Seva, which was formerly ConvertKit, is by far the most intuitive and easy to use program that I have ever used when it comes to growing your email list. They have easy pop-ups you can use on your website, forms that send out free downloads for content upgrades on your blog posts, and 24-hour help if you ever run into a snag. 
They have amazing customer service and have even helped us custom code some beautiful forms for our clients with no extra charge. I love that they're able to do that and it's always so helpful. We use Seva here at Pinegate Road and always recommend them to our clients. If you're saying yes, please, to an intuitive system for email marketing, head to pinegateroad.com email to grab a free 30 days to start growing your email list and upping your marketing game. Thank you so much to our sponsors for making this show possible. And thanks to you for taking the time to spend some time with me here today. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor or catching up on past episodes, head to pinegateroad.com slash podcast to learn more. Sending lots of love and remember, you've got this. See you next week. Mm